Welcome to the Virtual Campfire. My name is Sydney Williams, author and founder of Hiking My Feelings, and I'm so glad that you're here. The Virtual Campfire started as a replacement for what we were missing on the trail during the pandemic in 2020. We wanted to be sharing stories and listening to music and having conversations about hard topics at the end of a long day, shared in some of the most beautiful places in the world. In the absence of that, the Virtual Campfire was born and 50 something episodes later, we're still here. And this season, we're doing things a little bit differently. Over the course of the next few episodes, we're going to be sharing stories from people who have been through our 12-week online program called Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love. Now, if you've been watching the virtual campfire or listening to the podcast from the beginning, you'll know that this program was launched after our initial 20 episodes of the virtual campfire. This program took everything that we had planned to do on the road in 2020 on my book tour through the U.S. and Canada, workshops, retreats, overnights, group hikes, all of those things, and put them into a 12-week program that was available online so we could stay connected during the pandemic. Now we are getting ready to start our fourth class of this program on August 21st, and we couldn't think of a better way to get people hyped up about it, bring awareness to what we're doing, and share the stories of how this program has impacted real human lives than to bring on some of the people that have been through the program themselves. So I hope you have a nice comfortable seat. I hope you have a beverage of choice, maybe a cozy blanket, maybe a journal. You never know what you're going to hear that you might want to jot down. So have a seat, sit back, relax, unless you're driving, then <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. But we hope you enjoy the virtual campfire. Thank you so much for being here. so excited. I have my dear friend, Michelle here. She, oh my gosh, I, man, I don't even know where to start. Um, this woman is just a powerhouse fam. Like <laughs> I am so excited for you to meet her. I'm so excited for you to hear her story. Um, and I'm really excited to have this be our closing episode of the, this season of the virtual campfire. So Michelle, thank you for being here. Um, to get us started for folks that don't know you, um, let's start with like who you are, where you're from, um, and we'll go from there. Awesome, okay. Um, as Sydney said, my name is Michelle Farias. Um, I was born in San Antonio, Texas, but was raised in Laredo, Texas. Um, I've been through so, so much. <laughs> and um, it took me a while to get to where I can actually speak about it instead of holding it all in. Um, and now as I've gone through the journey with Blaze Your Own Show to Self-Love and Hiking My Feelings and the retreats and everything that this, this whole program has been an absolute blessing. Um, it has gotten me to where I am today, where it's comfortable and I have opened up to speak about my trauma and using that, that power to help others that have also experienced trauma, just like it helped me. So that's my goal and I'm here. 
Yes, she is here. Okay, so um, well, let's just let's just get right into it. I we originally connected um, because you had sent me a DM on Instagram, and then we were like BFFs. So um, <laughs> tell me about what brought you to hiking my feelings. Like you were born in San Antonio, raised in Laredo. You're doing life. What happened, and how did you end up finding your way to us? Um, well. I experienced trauma as a, as a young, as a young child. Um, it's unfortunate that my first memory was of the domestic violence that was going on between my father and my mother. Um, that's my first memory of when I was a baby. And I'm saying that because we were still in San Antonio at the time we moved to Laredo when I was probably like three or four years old. Um, so I, I mean, my trauma started at a very early age. Um, my father, he served three tours in Vietnam um, and he came back due to the trauma and everything he experienced at war. He came back with PTSD. It was not diagnosed at the time of the domestic violence occurrences, but as years went on, he finally seeked treatment and um, it was determined that he is now 100% disabled veteran due to PTSD. Um, but before he seeked the help and all, um, the domestic violence and physical abuse not only was targeting my mother, it was, it was also targeting myself and my, my younger brothers. We lived around violence and yelling and the way that you deal with things is just by being angry. So as I grew into a woman and started getting in relationships, that is all I knew. I, I thought, okay, well, whatever happens on TV or you see an Instagram or Facebook, well, that's a nice, pretty show in the real world. We all hate each other and we all hate each other. And um, it was unfortunate that I started getting kind of picking up on the ways that my dad was and it was very unhealthy, but it took a while for me to actually come to my senses and like, no, this is not good. Like it's up to me to break that generational curse. Um, so that was the part of, of the trauma with, with my family, the domestic violence. Um, back in 2007, I was, sexually assaulted. Um, this has been as much as my other trauma, but this one in particular has been the one that I've used to turn something negative into a positive because of the way it was eating me up. It was consuming me. It was just, I gave it, I gave that trauma, that assault, the power over me because I was holding so much anger. Um, I did everything I was supposed to do. I went to the police, filed a police report, did the rape kit, all the, everything on the checklist, I did. Unfortunately, the, the, the guy that sexually assaulted me, he was not prosecuted for things that are out of my, reasons that are out of my control. So not only was I angry, at about what happened with, with what happened with me, but I was angry at the system because the system is supposed to be there to protect us. Justice and justice wasn't served. 
So I had the domestic violence from when I was a child. I had the sexual assault um, from back in 2007. And then I married my, my son's father. And I started seeing that I was falling into the patterns of the relationship between my father and my mother. Yet I was the one that was acting like my dad. I wasn't being abusive with, with my husband or anything, but it was belittling him. Um, ver it was mostly verbal abuse. And unfortunately ended up in a divorce and it is what it is. But I always saw it as, well, it's his fault. There was nothing wrong with me. I'm perfectly fine. I'm awesome. He's the one that's wrong. He's like, I was just pointing fingers left and right, but I never pointed the finger at myself. And um, now I happily remarried. And it wasn't until this marriage that I realized that I was repeating the patterns as I did with my previous marriage. But my current husband, Robert, he's the one that said, you are, he called me, he's the first one to ever call me out. You're doing this, you're doing that. I don't like it. Something needs to change. And if you're all for it, I'll be your support system, but this is wrong. I um, ended up going back to church thanks to a coworker. Um, I had a lot of anger towards God because of everything that I went through. I was like, why would you put me through such pain? Um, during that time, I was also diagnosed with cervical cancer. So I'm like, really? Like I came back to church. I'm here trying to kindle a relationship, God. And then you throw like this wrench in my life. Like, what more do you want from me? Really? Um, so there, it, it, was, it was a relationship that I, I really wanted to fix. And I knew that there was a lot of things that had happened to me. And I wanted to know my whys. And I felt that if I went back to church, I would find out my whys. But it would be a, a, it would be a process. It's not like. God's going to send me a text. Well, this happened. That happened. You know, I mean, I have to figure that out for myself. And that's just something that I felt I needed. I mean, of course, I, I, I everybody is different. Many believe in the universe. Many manifest positive energy. In my situation at that time, I wanted to fix my relationship with God. So... I am, I overcame cervical cancer. I was like, okay, so this is step one. I got this, but I overcame it. We're going somewhere. Good job, God. Good job. So um, I enrolled in somewhat of a 12-step program at church to help me process everything. And I was like, at first I didn't want to, I was like, I I'm good. I mean, I got sexually assaulted. I'm fine. I, I, my I experienced physical abuse from my dad. I'm good. I locked it up in my little box. I threw away the key. Nothing's there. Like you're the one with the problems, not me. But then that class made me face a lot of those demons that were telling me there's nothing wrong with you. It's everybody else. So I opened up Pandora's box and I pretty much threw up everything, every, all the anger, all the emotions. I, before I was a very cold person, it was rare to see me cry. 
I mean, if I hurt your feelings, I didn't care. I kept it moving. Um, this made me feel for the first time. And I was like, wait, okay, so this is a change. I don't like it, but I mean, it, it's different. My comfort zone was to not feel. I, I found comfort in being numb, but I knew that wasn't healthy. So I was like, okay, let, I, I guess, I mean, I'm already in this class. Might as well finish it. Let's see what happens. And then um, COVID happened. This was into the 19, 2019, 2020 class. It's, it was a year long class. COVID happened. And I'm a very extrovert person. I think that's what it is, extrovert person. So being in lockdown and going through all these thoughts and emotions and having nowhere to go because parks were closed, everything was closed. I started getting really bad anxiety. I love reading books. And I was like, well, let me get on Amazon and, and see if I find a book, uh, something that calls my attention. A lot of my, my, excuse me, a lot of the people from my community in the church, they're like, well, go to scripture. And I'm like, it, it's, I'll go to it when I feel I need to. Right now, I, I, I can't. I, I just can't. Everybody's different. I couldn't go to scripture at that time. So I was, at that time, I was having, it was really hard for me to process the sexual assault. Well, let me see if there's any books on sexual assault. And I like the outdoors. So let me outdoor sexual assault. Let's see what happens. Hiking my feelings popped up. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is interesting. Now, I've always loved the outdoors. One of the positive things that my dad did with us, he took us out to Grand Canyon, Guadalupe, mountains and stuff. So I was like, well, okay, this sounds interesting. Let me see. So I've read on how the author of this book, Sydney Williams, processed her trauma by spending time in the outdoors. And I was like, this sounds interesting. Well, let, let, let's, let's buy the book. Let's buy the book, see where we go from there. So as I'm reading the book, I'm like, wait, I, I felt like she felt. Wait, I went through this like she went through this. And are you telling me that mountain, mountains can help you process this and hiking can make you process that? And I felt that that's what was the missing piece that would help me heal. Not only was it my faith, but I feel like God gave me like a little nudge, like, okay, you might not find healing in my, in my scripture, but this might help you too. So that's how I integrated my faith and hiking to help me get to where I am today. So it's thanks to God and thanks to you guys. Yeah. Ooh, so much oh, stuff wow. to unpack there. I talked so much. Yes. You I'm did sorry. so good. No, no apologies. You crushed it. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. First oh, wow. of all, like for people that are listening and folks that are watching, um, yeah. When I met Michelle, like when, so she, she showed up for, uh, she signed up. Well, first you signed up for the retreat and then the retreat got postponed. Thanks COVID. But you signed up for, uh, blaze your intro to self-love. And so we're all like doing our introductions and I knew that you had experienced sexual assault. Cause you shared that with me before you joined the program. But when you first joined the program, like you 
you had a hard time speaking that out loud. So I just want to reflect back to you. And that was 2020, early 2020. In the two years, it's been almost, it's been almost two years since you started Blaze Your Own Trail to Self-Love, but it's definitely been two years since we met. The amount, like what just happened, like you outlining your timeline, how it happened for you and speaking so confidently about it without an ounce of shame. Like you are just sharing facts. Like I, I am so moved by how much progress you've made, how confidently you're speaking about this. Like I am just absolutely floored. And to know that, that it was you seeking out something about sexual assault to help you get through it. And that's how you found the book. And then just moving in the direction and following what felt good and the, and the nudges from God and all the things like, I thank God for him. Like, I'm so glad that she, thank God for you. Thank God for Jeff Bezos and his algorithm. Like, I don't know how I ended up as the, like the book you picked, but man, I'm so happy that I am. Um, and I'm so just honored to have witnessed just the evolution and how you communicate about what happened to you, let alone the like feelings and the like transformation of like the internal state of being from feeling so anxious and having anxiety and like panicky type things to now you're just like slinging stories like girl, (laughs) what? Yeah. So good. So, um, I'm so sorry that your story started so early with the trauma. Like, I just want to say that right out the gate. Like I, I am so sorry that your father didn't have more support. And I, cause it sounds like, and it doesn't excuse the behavior and it doesn't justify it. But like, if we're looking back and we, we think about now he is a fully disabled veteran because of PTSD. I mean, it doesn't make it better, but it makes it make sense. Right. Like I, I would, I haven't met your father, but I, I believe he's probably a pretty great guy. Cause you are a wonderful woman it's so, and I don't know where you got it from. Maybe it was all your mom, but like, <laughs> I, I am just, I, it's, it's so, I, I honestly, like you sharing your story validates mine because for so long, even after I wrote the book, even now that we've hosted three programs of this, uh, three classes of this program, now that we've hosted all these retreats, we've been doing this for four years, like still to this day, I question like, did that really happen? Or am I like, am I, am I crazy? Like, is it possible to just go on a hike and find healing? And the moment when I knew that I was like, yes, this is a hundred percent true was when you were hiking up to the top of that point on Catalina Island (laughs) and we're coming up and I have a picture of it's you, Michelle, uh, uh, Leroy and another, uh, hiker. And I can't remember who else was behind you, but there were three of you walking up and you're coming up this thing. And this is like this hill that I charged. And I like describe it in the book. I'm like, I just wanted to get to the top of that thing. And you were like, if I could beat cervical cancer, I could do this. And I was like, yes, you can. It was so powerful. And I just stood there. I was just like crying. I was like, this is real. Like, I, I'm so honored that I got to share this moment with you guys. I'm so honored that you were there and you got to stand at the spot where like, I felt the best I had felt since my assault. Like, what a trip. I just, I love how the universe just puts us all in each other's paths. And man, I, oh, I got so much to say about it, but I, 
thank you for sharing that part of your story. Um, I know that it's difficult, but I also know that it's deeply necessary. And it sounds like the last time that I remember you like talking about your story in kind of a public setting was with your church. Um, so since that moment where you were like giving your testimony in front of your entire congregation, like what has happened? Like, what, what have you been doing in your life and, and, in this work and where, where are things going for you? Well, as I, I mean, it's still a process just because we finished the class. It doesn't mean, oh, you're healed. Everything's solved. No, it's still an ongoing process, but I found out a lot of stuff about me and I think I understand and I finally got my whys as to why I went through all this stuff like the the physical abuse and the domestic violence with my dad it was I mean it's unfortunate but there was one incident to where he severely beat me he said I was 16 years old here in Laredo, the temperatures hit like 100, 110 degrees. My first class just so happened to be criminal justice. I'm wearing a turtleneck, long sleeve pants. And I was always that, that student that arrived on time. I was like teacher's pet sitting in the front. And I would always get to class early and all that. And I mean, I don't know if it was a, I call it a gut incidence instead of a coincidence that I just so happened to show up earlier than I normally do. And my teacher was rarely there at that time. She just so happened to be there. This time I sat at the back of the class and she looked at me like, what's wrong? You're always in the front and it's hot as hell outside. Why are you wearing long sleeves? What's with the turtleneck? And just by her asking me those questions, I broke down crying because the way I was raised was that you don't tell people your problems because you don't want people to say, oh, well, oh, poor Michelle, she's, she's going through all this. You don't. So that's another reason why I kept a lot of that stuff in. So of course my um, a police report was filed, CPS got involved, I got removed from the home, but because law, this is the first time law enforcement got involved. This was the incident that made my dad realize, okay, I need help. So I understood that through that pain and that trauma that I went through, the reason why I went through it, it's because my dad needed to seek help. And at that, I mean, I was the oldest out of my younger brothers. What if it wouldn't have been a lot worse for them? So I think that's the reason why that I went through that trauma with, with my dad. And now he got help and now it's recognized he has PTSD and he's working on it. The only thing though, and this is something that took me a while to, I guess, not understand, but just realize that it's something that's not in my control. My dad is a very prideful person. He's never, for any little thing or big thing, he's never said, sorry. Michelle, I'm sorry. Um, he never apologized to my mom. He never apologized to my brothers. We went through, we went through, and that's it. 
And at that time, I was holding on to that anger. I was holding on to that grudge. Apologize to me. Of course, I never verbally said it, but that's, I mean, I was holding on to that. And it wasn't until hiking my feelings that I understood you cannot control other people's actions. You can only control yours. So I needed to find it in my heart to forgive my dad for what he did even though he didn't ask for forgiveness in order for me to move forward in order for that trauma, not to have me have a good hold on me with that anger that I was holding on to, because I was only holding myself prisoner in that trauma. If I didn't let go of it and judgment day will come for, I mean, everybody knows what they've done, but I can only control my actions. And that's how I started my process of healing. I mean, I'm still healing from it, but from when you met me then to now, I'm not crying. It's not that that it doesn't hurt me anymore. It's just that it's been a process. And with my cervical cancer, I was blessed that I found it on time. I was able, unfortunately, I had to get a hysterectomy um, my cervix was removed. My uterus was removed. I went through a, a depression to where I felt that I was no longer a woman because I felt that my purpose here was to give life, to give birth. I mean, life beyond my own. I was blessed that I, I have my son and I was like, you know what, if I can't have any more kids, so be it, but I'm blessed that I'm alive and I get to see my son grow up. So with the cervical cancer, and because it was caught early, I felt that that happened to me because as you can tell, I love to talk. I feel like I can bring awareness on early detection for cervical cancer and, and the importance of it. And, you know, like just helping other women that have gone through or are going through it. And lastly, the sexual assault. Um, that one was a tough one. And that one was the one that made me go through a lot of changes, including with the church. Um, there was a retreat that I went to with church and um, a lot of people were asking for prayer for, for finances, a better career. It was a room of about maybe 100, 150 women. And out of nowhere, like something else takes over my lips and I blurt out loud sexual assault. And I'm like, oh snap, I don't want to curse. So that's why I was like, snap. I was like, oh snap. Like I just said that out loud and I looked at people because I didn't know if I maybe I thought it or actually spoke it. And then people were looking at me like, oh, okay, I did say it out loud. And then they're like, okay, come over. Anybody with sexual assault will pray for you, come down here. And it was only me and another female. And of course, it's an emotional moment. Tears are running. Everybody's emotional. And after prayer was done, I ran back to my seat, put my hoodie on, and I just didn't want to look at anybody. I was, it was the first time I ever said it out loud. I felt ashamed because now people know, like, it, it, I mean, that incident happened to me. But at the same time, I'm glad if I blurt it out, I blurt it out there where there's a good support system. And, and, you know, so after that session was done, I had 
a couple of females come up to me afterwards in private and they gave me notes. And one of the notes said that she appreciates and thanks my courage to speak up. And she hopes to speak up one day about her sexual assault, that I was her strength in that moment. And with that note, I was like, okay, it's unfortunate the sexual assault happened, but maybe this is the strength that I have to help other victims now become survivors of sexual assault. If I'm an, if I have this talkative attitude and I love to hear myself speak, I'm going to use it for a good cause. And if I can bring attention to domestic and physical abuse, if I can bring attention to cervical cancer, if I can bring attention to sexual assault, maybe that's my perp name. I might be a public speaker. Yeah, you should. I can use my traumas and my experiences and hoping of, of healing or at least being a support system for somebody because it's helped me so much. Now, back to your question about the church, where I, I am with the church. Whew, this one might get me. Okay, so the attorney... When I filed the charges for the for the sexual assault, I did the police report, rape kit, and all that stuff. It went to the, of course, the district attorney's office. I ended up meeting with the assistant district attorney. I met with other investigators there. He stated how much of a good witness I would be to bring this guy down, put him in jail, so on and so forth and that they would follow up with me um, to see where they were at on the case. About a week later, I'm told, well, there's nothing we can do for you, sorry, bye. Like that much of like not even five seconds of a phone call. I couldn't ask why, what's going on. Um, I later on find out through the grapevine of, of, a, of a conflict of interest that happened in my case. So that's why it wasn't um, considered to go to trial or even file charges against him. But I never forgot his face. I never forgot his name, the assistant district attorney. He's supposed to be on my side, not on the defense side. So I held on. I was like, you were, you were, you were supposed to help me. That was the first and last time I saw him for years. I started going back to the church. He's a very active member in my church. Very active member in my church. And every time I saw him, we would end up going at the same times to church, to mass. Every time I saw him, it was a trigger, a trigger. Even though he wasn't the one that sexually assaulted me, he was the one that was supposed to help me, but didn't. So at that time, I was also taking this class and I shared with the other females, look, so-and-so is here. And they're like, Michelle, forgive, forgive. And I'm like, eh, one step at a time, hold, hold your horses. I mean, you know, I, I just wasn't ready to forgive. It's easy to tell somebody to do it, but to actually do it, it's different. So 
I ended up leaving the church because of him. It was just too, I was supposed to go to church to find my peace and I wasn't finding peace and I couldn't. And as like I said, healing is a process. It's not just, I, you get a certificate, you pass, congratulations, and that's it. Yay, you're healed. No, it's an ongoing thing. And I might be in different stages of each part of the trauma, but at this point in my life, I still haven't figured out yet how to get over that obstacle. I know I need to in order to keep moving forward, but I'm still, I'm, I'm trying to get there. So I left the church. I still have um, a connection with God. I have my quiet times on the weekends. I read scripture. I do this. I do that. But that's just me and him. I don't go to church. I don't have a community that I still go to. So that's, that's where I am with church. I still have my faith, but haven't gone back physically. Yeah, man. I, it's so interesting how one of the things that you mentioned, and I'm wondering if this is a cultural thing, whether that's as a Latina woman or as a woman of faith, mm-hmm. when you were talking about how it was just you and one other person who stood up and then you had several women come and pass you notes. Mm-hmm. It is there, you've mentioned a couple of times, like we don't talk about our problems. We don't talk about the things that happen to us. We don't want to people to pity us. Is that hindering the healing of your community, both faith-based and in your community where you live and, and things like that? Because that, I know across the board, there is pervasive shame around sexual assault. Um, I felt it. I shamed myself into silence for over a decade, but it just, it, it sounds to me like there's a real opportunity for you to support your community through what they believe that they aren't allowed to speak about. And for you to be so courageous and to buck these norms within your community. Like I've got like full body goosebumps thinking about how, like, not only like just surviving sexual assault, there is something to overcome, to be able to speak to that with clarity and confidence and, and to remove the shame from it. But to think about other cultural barriers that, that exist and the opportunity then to help people through that, like, is that, do you feel passionate about that? Is that something that you've identified as like, this is a community that I could definitely support or, or where are you thinking your energies would best be spent? I definitely, I know that as far as don't tell anybody your problems, don't tell anybody. I know that that's a strong, um, model to go by in our Latino community, especially with women. Um, My mom left my dad several times, but she would always go back a lot of the times because my grandmother would say, well, that's what men do. Or because and then I ended up finding out that my grandma went through the same thing. But it's 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 in our I don't know if it's just in our culture, just women in general that we just end up staying. And my mom was one of those that she ended up staying and staying with sexual assault there's, 
I've heard, it hasn't been said to me, but I've heard, well, what did you do to, to provoke it? What were you wearing? Are you sure it was that? Because I mean, if you were both drinking and having, well, maybe it wasn't that. Like it's just, it starts putting doubt in your head and then it starts making you feel like the dirty one and like, oh, well then maybe I shouldn't have worn that shirt or that skirt. And you know what? It was my fault. Like the sexual assault happened. And you know what? It wasn't sexual assault. It was just us having fun. But like, it's, it's more of a, it makes you doubt it. And if you're sure of it, you don't speak it. And I think that's a bunch of BS. That's an, that's an interesting distinction too. It's like, you doubt it. So you don't talk about it. And if you're sure of it, you don't talk about it. Like either way we're losing, like nobody wins. Yeah. Because it's such a negative light shined. Well, I don't don't know if I'm even using the right term, shined on us that if you're a victim of sexual assault right away, well, what did you do? Right. What did you do to provoke it? What did you do to this? Would you do that? And I'm like, I didn't do crap to provoke it. This is what happened to me. And that's it okay, well, just keep that to yourself because then people are going to think bad about you. They're going to think that you're easy. They're going to think that they can have their way with you. And who would want to marry somebody that was sexually assaulted? That's a big one. No man wants that. No, so you keep that. I was like, well, I mean, of course my mom never, out of all of this, my parents were very supportive when I finally told them. My dad was, my dad went into protective mode. He went to the police department. He spoke with the chief, Michelle, they're, they're, they'll consider reopening the case. And I'm like, um, I don't want to go through it. Like I was already, why open up the wound that I'm trying to close? So in that part, I was grateful that I had a great support system at home when it came to the sexual assault everything else was like, Pfft. but um, that was this, I guess the stigma that was, that's in our culture, like, ¿quién te va a querer? who's going to want you if this happened to you? And it wasn't really sexual assault. You might think it is, but it's not. And that's the barrier that I want to break because it's not right. It's not, we, we are in the times to where women are getting their voices back and we can shout to the back and people will hear us. We're in that point in time to where we are making our presence known and we're going to sure damn well make it known with everything that we have to say. And this is one of the things that we're going to have to break down. Like, hey, I have a voice. I have a story. I have a testimony and you're going to hear it and you're going to like it. And I don't care. (laughs) I love that. Well, and that's and that's something that I'm really passionate about, too, is like, especially for when when we've come to realize that yes, what we experienced was sexual assault. Like we know it as soon as it happens or the morning after or whatever, like we know as the person who was the victim of the crime, the survivor of the circumstance, we know, Mm -hmm. but then all the societal factors come in the nagging from the moms about no men will like you. Oh my God, you're dirty. All these things. Like then we just, we silence ourselves when we come back to the remembering that yes, this happened. No, I didn't want it. No, it was not my fault. There's this like this magical space where it's like, okay, now what do I do? Who, who can I share this with? How can I, how can I just, I, I, I need to be seen. Cause I like, for me, I spent so much time 
just wanting to blend in. And I didn't want anybody to notice me. And I didn't want to be seen because if I was seen, then I would cry. And if I cried, then people would ask why. And I would tell them, cause I can't lie. Like it, the, the, the thread of like pulling this out was just, it was so fine. And I think one of the things that, that I am curious about is if there are women of faith, if there are Latina women and, and men, cause we are, women are not the only victims of sexual violence. What would you say to them? Like for folks that are like, oh my, like they're at home, they're listening or they're watching on YouTube and they're like, yes, Michelle, I'm with you, Michelle. Like, (laughs) how would you, like, what was the thing, what was the thing that pushed you over the edge to be able to not only talk about this with yourself, but share this story with your community? Honestly, not going to lie. It was you. Thank you. It was you. Um, it's like I had mentioned, I was going through this class. We were all talking about our, our, our past and our traumas and how we're going to, but it was just us, but it had a little bit more of a, a, how do I say like a softer touch? Like, okay, you got sexually assaulted. You're going to write that down in your workbook. And now you're going to say a prayer and then, okay, you're done. Go to the next step. And I'm like, okay. And that may work for everybody else, but that's not me. Like I, I, I know I needed to speak it and I was speaking it, but it wasn't as powerful as I needed to get it out. And I was like, no, like I, I need something else. And that's when I came across your book. That's when I came across the virtual campfires and seeing you openly talk about your sexual assault experience on how Barry was supportive and you had gone years without telling anybody. I was like, wait, if, if she can talk about it, and move forward maybe I can do the same and let's try it let's see what happens so there was a virtual campfire that we did with doc peace you all were were talking and I mean of course you inspired me but she had also said something else that was like the puzzle piece that I was missing to like speak up and I don't know if anybody was expecting that or not, but I just, I kind of killed the trip. Everybody was like, yeah. And then I started talking. I was like, whoa, like trauma. So, but I felt like that was the missing point and the missing puzzle that I was like, you know what? I, I this is it. it. This is, and in my mind, I'm thinking it's going to be on YouTube. Everybody's going to see it. Now everybody's going to know instead of it just being us and it being the retreat that happened at church. Now you can find that video in YouTube. It's worldwide. I was processing all of these thoughts while you and doc peace were talking. And I was like, you know what? I'm ready. I, if, I mean, it's now or never, I have to, I have to let, let's see what happens. What's the worst that can happen. I was already at my, at my lowest. I got nothing to lose. So seeing you speak openly about it and doc peace speaking openly about some stuff too i was like you know what let's go for it let's do this of course in the video if you guys look it up on youtube you you can't even see like my face i'm like drowning in tears but compare that video to this one you can see the dramatic change the 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 processing on how much of a mess I was just telling what happened at that retreat to me telling you Sydney and everybody else that's going to see this video on how just speaking up 
is healing. And my, my, my little nudge, my little push to, I felt like God put me in front of the computer and I felt like Sydney was just like, here, talk. And I was like, oh, okay. So, here we go. <laughs> here's that push. Okay, here we go. So that that's what that's what helped me speak up. It, it was it was you. It yeah. was you hearing another survivor speak about it helped me open up my story. And I was like, I was like, it, 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 this is this is a God incidence. God incidence. I, I love, I, was, I love God incidents, by the way. It was <laughs> it's so good. I was like at the right place at the right time. I grabbed the right book. I, I got involved with this group and it's just been a blessing. It's been, it's been everything to me. The, the women and the men that I've met in this group have also contributed to my healing process in many different ways. And it's just, I don't know where I, I don't, I don't know if I'd be in this point of my healing process, if it wasn't for you guys, or if I even would have processed it at all. And I would have been like the hell with this church class. Like I'm going to stick to my pride and just drown in my trauma. Like it's, it was, you guys helped me unpack my trauma pack. No, boom, 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 boom. (laughs) Man, I, I just, I'm so excited for everybody that's listening, because we've all got something right. And maybe it's not sexual assault. Maybe it's some other kind of trauma. Maybe it's domestic violence. Maybe it's going through a divorce. Maybe it's caring for elderly parents, right? Like there are so many things that can be defined as traumatic. And with sexual assault, like certainly part of my work is expanding that definition because the definition I had in my mind did not include what happened to me. And that's why I was so confused and so hurt and so in denial for so long. But I think also to expand the definition of trauma and realize that like, we all have so much more in common than we do different. And in the world that we live in today and with how polarized this country is socially, politically, racially, with gender expression, with everything, like everything is like so black and white and not literally just race, but like it's, it's, we exist in this binary where it's like, it's yes or it's no, it's right or it's wrong. It happened or it didn't happen. And it's in the gray areas where we find connection and it's in like, this is the shittiest club I've ever been in this sexual assault survivor club. I did not ask to join this club. This club sucks, but if we're going to be in it, we might as well make it a nice, warm, comforting place to be and a place that accepts people of all survivor types. And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to, I hope. And I'm going to put this out here for God, universe, the unicorns in the world, any, anyone that's listening, any of the higher powers that are bigger and better than ourselves. I am looking forward to hearing from people or you telling me that you heard from somebody who heard this. And then like, we're passing this baton. Like, I feel like we're on a track team, Michelle. And like, I'm just out here. I'm like, grab it. It's your turn. And like, you're going and you're doing like, you're going back. You went back to school. Like you're about, you're going to graduate this year. Like, talk to me about this. Like you are, you are really leaning into how can I use this message to serve? And, and I just tell the world, like, what is your vision for how you want to support people through this and how you want to use your story? Okay. So as I mentioned, uh, previously, I found out my whys, like I, why I went through this, why I went through that. 
And with those whys of wanting to bring awareness to, to mental health, wanting to bring awareness to cervical cancer, awareness to sexual assault, I felt like I found my purpose in public speaking. Like that's my way how I'm gonna help others. And um, I had gone to school many, 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 many years ago. Um, and I was pursuing a degree in, in early childhood education. Um, I wanted to be a teacher. And I wanted to be a teacher of little ones. I loved elementary kids. I worked for a school district for a really, really long time. And I loved working with little kids. But of course, trauma can take you out of the sink. You can, you're not in the right mentality. And I just dropped out. Um, during that time, as a way to breathe, I joined the military. I also served in the military for three years with the National Guard because I felt like I was drowning. I felt like I was being smothered here in Laredo. I didn't know what to do, so I left. So I learned a lot of things in the military. I came back and I was like, I need to go to school, but not right now. And um, that's where I met my ex-husband, had my son, um, remarried. I'm with Robert now, started processing all of this. And then that's when I realized my whys were answered, my purpose. And I was like, you know what? I now know why God put me on this earth and he's given me the tools to go help not only spread the word of God, but help others. It doesn't necessarily have to be biblical. So I'm now pursuing a, a degree, a bachelor's degree in communications. I should be graduating in August, but I did have the mind, I did have the goal or maybe like something to go to, like, okay, I'm going to go into public speaking. But for some reason, I felt geared to maybe going into teaching, but instead of little ones, going to high school. And high school, I mean, if I would have known what I knew now, that I can write out my emotions in a journal, I can read a book, I can, if I had a lot of resources when I was younger, maybe something different would have happened. And I feel that that's where my calling is, being a teacher in high school, using my communications degree and teaching kids how to open up about anything. Doesn't necessarily have to be about trauma, but at least giving them the exposure of public speaking, um, presentations, websites, design, something to get them to just open up and start talking because a lot of high schoolers, they're just like, yeah, whatever. No, I'm just here for like the degree, give me my hours and I'm good. I feel like I, I can start introducing those tools to them and, and go from there. So, I mean, of course, maybe later on down the line, I'll start having um, events, public speaking and stuff, but I, I'm gearing more towards high schoolers and at least exposing them on how they could express in writing, express in speaking and go from there. So, Oof, goodness. So um, I have a couple more questions before we wrap up. First yes. one being, 
it's been a couple of years since you've been in the program. Are there any techniques or tips or modules from the program um, or things that you heard either from the program itself or the other participants in the program that stick out in your mind that you still tap into today? Okay, so there's, a, I think it's the trail of life. Yeah. Drawing. Okay, I still do that when it comes to goals. Now, I know that when I did um, bring, uh, BYOT, you pointed out or somebody pointed out that on my trail, I did a lot of negativity, no positive. So on my trail, I put like the salt and the arrest and like when my dad got arrested, all this negative stuff. I had maybe like two or three positive things in there. And you're like, you're supposed to do a trail of life. This is not a trail of negativity. You chose to do negativity. Why? And I was like, oh, no. So, I still use that as an example. Every class that I teach every, yes. and, I, and I have a, I have a workshop coming up. It's one of the first things I say, I'm like, listen, this is not just the sad stuff. And we got at least one in every program that like hands me a list or shares something. And it's all sad. And I'm like, did you, have you not had a good day in your life? Like you sound like my girl, Michelle, what is happening? So I love, I love that that sticks out. Yes, that is one. So I made a, now because of that, I have a vision board. I got a cork board. Now I'm doing, I'm putting my positivity. I'm putting quotes. I'm putting my goals, no negativity on there. Cause I don't need to see it. I live mm -hmm. it. Sometimes, so I don't need a reminder. And, um, another thing too, was the meditations. There were some meditations that were in the class as well. And, um, the one that really got to me, I don't remember it specifically, but it was like, if you were talking to your younger self or your, yes. vision, your younger self, oh, that one, that one got me because my younger self experienced a lot of things, saw a lot of things that a child should not be going through or anybody should be going through, but especially a child. And that one was kind of like, if I can tell my younger self, something and be like it's gonna you're gonna be okay that that one got to me and because of that that um part of the course I continued with meditations because it helped me so much I have a lot of anxiety um my mind races like a hundred miles per hour just as fast as I talk sorry <laughs> and I need something to just like have me sit still for a little bit and I do a meditation, I refresh and I'm good to go. So if I didn't have that, that calmness of the meditations or have that vision board to, to put my goals, I mean, I wouldn't have reminders of, of the good and I wouldn't have the, the peace that I get from the meditation. So that's what I've really, aside from the friendships and the bonds, especially in, in our group, in our summit circle, it was just, it's, it's just been amazing, but that's what I've taken out of those group of, of our class of the BYOT. I program. love it so much. And my last question, yes. um, is so I like imagining that I have a magic wand and with this magic wand, I can use it on myself. I can use it on the world at large. Um, and this magic wand can help people 
understand something. It would be like an instant download, like an app upgrade for everybody. Like they would just know something Mm -hmm. or they would stop doing something. Um, So if you had a magic wand, how would you use it? And what would the benefits be? Whoa. (sighs) This is a good question. Um, Well, one, one benefit for me, as much as it comes with the good and the bad, is to just feel, feel. We, we bottle up so much, many bottle up so much. Many are afraid to voice, many are afraid to face. It's just feel, be in the moment. Um, I don't know if that sounds a little corny, I think it's great. (laughs) But um, for me, feeling has been a very, very big deal because I've numbed myself for many, many years. And I I was blessed that I didn't resort to anything like alcoholism or drugs or anything. I I just, I literally did what what I said. I locked it away in the box, threw away the key. But when I got to feel again, it, it made me appreciate life more and just just feeling I guess feeling has been a big one I dig it so before we go is there anything that I haven't asked about that you'd like to share or anything that's weighing heavy on your heart and mind that you'd like to share or any parting words for our listeners and watchers today something that I would like to share that has a stigma as well is that along with this healing process, um, just recently, about two weeks ago, I finally seek therapy for the first time in my life. Um, there was a stigma like, oh, if you seek therapy or psychiatry or psychology, like you're crazy, you're not well mentally. And it's like, no, 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 no. Like there's no such thing as crazy, first of <laughs> all. And second of all, it's good to have to let it all out and not worry about the judgment or having somebody defensive on the other end. It's more like a voice of reason. And I'm like, oh, so that's what that meant instead of me having like something else in my head. So um, the stigma of therapy, get rid of it. If you need to talk to somebody, seek the help. I mean, it's better that I mean, I, I know that there's a word, there's a little phrase for it, uh, not doing it, then I'm just glad I did it. it, even though it took life for me to do it. I know that there's like a little phrase that goes with it. It's better now or never. Yeah. It's better, okay. better, better now than never. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, um, I'm glad I seek therapy. And also, um, the other stigma is medication. Um, there's no shame in having to take, um, pills for depression, um, suggested by your doctor or anything like that. I know that there's a lot of stigma to where, oh, you're on pills because there's something wrong with you. Like there is, and what I'm dealing with it, right? Like, and this, is, and this is my solution. Yeah. This is my solution. I'm not doing anything destructive and it helps me like be happy that I'm not snapping at you. Be happy that I'm on medications. that's keeping me from wearing an orange jumpsuit, even though I look good in orange, (laughs) but, um, 
Like, you know, like it's just, if, if you need medication, you need medication. There's nothing wrong with it. If you need therapy, counseling, psychiatry, nothing wrong with that either. Um, it has helped me tremendously, even though it's been a short period of time and there's no shame in it and there's no shame in seeking help. And, and if that, if you see that that's for you, we're there with you. So yeah, that's yes. one thing I do want to, want to point out. Oh, I love that. Um, so if people want to connect with you, what's the best way to go about that? Um, you can find me on Instagram at mystified.explore. Um, right now, as I had mentioned, I'm pursuing my degree and I graduated in August. So I'm like loading myself with four or five classes. Cause I'm just like, I want to get it over with. <laughs> so, um, the best way to communicate with me is on Instagram. Hopefully after I get my degree, I continue with um, a YouTube channel that I had originally started. It's the Messy Bun Confessions. Um, I plan to put on more videos. You can actually find a video of our Catalina yeah. treat that you guys can, can check out. That was like the first Catalina retreat that you guys hosted, right? Yeah, it was the first one. And I was blessed to get a scholarship and I'm glad that I was in a position to pay it forward and bless somebody else. I, I helped somebody else attend the retreat as well. Um, it was something that I prayed on and where God guided me, he provided. So it was a blessing for me, a blessing for everybody that attended. And also it is um, Sexual Assault Awareness Month, April. And I did post a video last year. That's how, that's how long it's been since I've touched up on that channel of my story. So if you feel like you need more of, um, of something to possibly um, help you speak up or just want to know a little bit more about what happened and how everything went down, you can find that video on there too. But I should be getting to that channel soon. As soon as I graduate, I can't have any distractions. <laughs> and you can find me on Instagram. So yeah, that's how perfect. That's, that's it for now. Yay. Well, Michelle, I just, uh, I adore you. I'm so glad that we connected and it has been just the honor of a lifetime to witness your journey. Like you're the first person to have gone through all of the programs that we offer at hiking my feelings, you and Mary. And it's Yay. just it, I, I don't take it lightly, both the responsibility to hold these stories, um, mm -hmm. and the privilege to be able to hear them and witness them. So thank you for being so open. Thank you for committing to your healing. Um, and thank you for being a bright shining light and a loud ass megaphone, um, for all the people Ooh. that need, that need your story so they can see themselves in it, um, and hopefully find some healing for themselves. So thank you so much for being here. Um, and thank, thank you for being you. Yeah. Okay. If you're curious about how to make your next hike a bit more mindful, visit hikingmyfeelings.org slash subscribe to download our free trail thoughts worksheets.